When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This 710 podcast is brought to you by Francis Coppola's Diamond Collection Wines. Coppola's Diamond Collection offers the perfect wines to celebrate both big and small occasions this summer. Claret Cabernet Sauvignon is the perfect pairing with juicy burgers. And Diamond Sparkling Prosecco goes great with friends at your next garden party. Enjoy your summer with Diamond Collection Wines. Francis Ford Coppola Winery, Sonoma, California. Please drink responsibly. What is going on, Laker fans? Uh, Thank you very much for tuning in. This, uh, what are we now, one week away from Lakers training camp starting. Um, At least media day is going to be a week from today, so looking forward to that. A little bit more details as the show progresses on on what that's going to look like. But you can just imagine media day, you get everybody, you get great interviews, and I'm going to be there with uh, T-Raj, with Travis Rogers uh, next week. Uh, We got a lot going on in tonight's show. Brian Windhorst is going to join the show in about a half hour or so. And I uh, got a lot of questions from him. I love getting perspective. You know, I know a lot of times it's a lot of the local beat writers. It's a lot of people that cover the team. It's people associated with the team. Uh, Brian covers the entire league, the NBA. So I, I always look forward to his perspective. It's not somebody that's in Los Angeles day to day. So uh, it's great to get his perspective on the team. Um, I want to start off the show. You know, I, I, I spent a little time on this and I know I've talked about it in the past the Lakers offseason, and we all know what the Lakers did. You know, you go look at Anthony Davis got his contract extension. Austin Reeves re-signed with the Lakers. D'Lo, Rui Hachimura both re-signed with the Lakers as well. Jared Vanderbilt just got his extension with the Lakers. And then the Lakers went out, Christian Wood, Gabe Vincent, Torian Prince, Jackson Hayes, Cam Reddish, um, and, and however you think about you know these players and and what their uh, what their potential roles are going to be w- with the Lakers this upcoming season, I was sitting there a couple days ago and I'm trying to think of yeah I wonder what the rotation is going to look like I wonder what players are going to get you know the bulk of the playing time and there's certain players that we certainly don't need to talk about you don't we don't need to LeBron and Anthony Davis we know are they're going to get a, a, a ton of PT as always. Austin Reeves is going to get a ton of playing time as well. But I was trying to make a prediction of what the Lakers rotation could potentially look like. I got to be honest with you. It's not easy. It really, truly, truly is not easy. And I I, I don't know if I think most teams, 99.9% of teams and GMs and front offices out there, I understand which one they'd rather have. Hey, do you want to have um, – so many players, just such incredible depth that it actually gives you a headache of trying to juggle who to play and when, or would you rather not have that much talent? Of course, you'd rather have, well, let me try to figure out how to use all these guys, what matchups work the best, what players are best off the bench, what players are best starting, what players close out games, whatever the case is. So I think we could all understand that the Lakers being in their position where they have all this depth is a good thing, but... I could not figure out. I have so many different potential rotations for the Lakers, and I'm going to try to figure out right now. I'm going to at least do my best to throw out who I think the starters are going to be, who I think are going to be the first guys that come off the bench, and then who's probably going to get boxed out, or at least to start before training camp even starts. They're on the outside looking in, and they're trying to figure out how to get inside of that Lakers rotation. First off, let me just say that There are 12 players that legitimately are going to be a part of the rotation. And that, I'm sure, will dwindle down, and you're not going to be using 12 guys on a night-in, night-out basis. Eventually, you're going to get to a a point where Darvin Ham is saying to himself, okay, I got 9, 10 guys max that I want to use, and that's if everybody's healthy. The, The great thing about their depth is they put themselves in a position that 
if if there is an injury or if somebody goes down, there's not just a, okay, next man up mentality. There's some real talent on this Lakers team that I think it's not just next man up. I think it's, yeah, no, we're good. We got, we got players that we can use in this type of predicament. 12 guys I counted. And that's not me counting the rookies because I don't think I could count the rookies into this. Into this. So Jalen uh, hood Shafino and Maxwell Lewis. No, I'm not even putting them in the mix. I, they're going to be in a tough predicament because – when you're a young player on a good team that has championship contention that you're at least putting in the conversation to make it to the NBA Finals, it's really tough to get playing time. So I don't have too much confidence that those players are going to be used on a consistent basis. Not that they won't be used, but to see them get good rotational minutes, probably not going to happen. Okay, so I was trying to predict the starters. LeBron, Anthony Davis... Austin Reeves. All right, we don't need to talk anymore. Those three are starters. Those are your three best players on your team. And the question from there is just really going to be, okay, how are you going to manage bronze minutes? Uh, it's an 82-game grind. He's in his 21st season in the NBA. Anthony Davis, I think, uh, you know, always an interesting player of how you want to use him in the regular season versus how you want to use him in the postseason. Austin Reeves, I pay no attention to. That man's going to probably play 35 minutes a game, even though he's coming off that FIBA tournament where uh, he was excellent, he was awesome, uh, he didn't really have much of a summer, but uh, that guy just seems like a player that you're going to have to pry him off the floor. He wants to play every single minute. So those three we know they're going to be starters, and I'm trying to figure out the rest of the starting lineup, number one, and number two, who are going to be those key players that come off the bench and who's going to be on the short end of the stick at least to start training camp? I think D'Angelo Russell is going to start again. I do. Um, I actually feel like the D'Angelo Russell thing is going to be pretty similar to how it was last year with Dennis Schroeder, where D'Angelo Russell gets the starting nod. By the way, I know I'm I'm critical and I'm hard on D'Angelo Russell, still a really good basketball player. In an 82-game grind, you want players like D'Angelo Russell that's going to take a lot of those minutes, uh, that wants to grow his confidence on this Lakers team. Certainly, certainly the Lakers are going to need him to be an asset. Uh, I think he's going to start. I can't guarantee you that he's going to finish games. I can't guarantee you that as the season progresses that Gabe Vincent is not going to give him a run for his money or if the Lakers are just going to be very strategic with this and say, okay, well, let D'Lo start. He's got a great skill set. He's unselfish. Uh, there are times he can give you 25 or 30 on any given night, and let's bring Gabe Vincent off the bench. That's how I think things are going to start the season with the Lakers, but I have no idea if, it, if it's going to continue to go that way, and that does that does really sound exactly like it was last year with Dennis Schroeder, and I kind of feel like that's going to be similar for D'Angelo Russell this year as well. So I think D'Lo gets into the starting lineup, which leaves us with just one more starter left. Um. You know, I, I've seen, I've heard people talk about this. Uh, you know, obviously I read all my comments on Twitter and all the other social platforms. And um, I think that the Lakers, because they want Anthony Davis to start the season probably at that power forward spot, which is what he prefers, which is where he wants to be at least to start the season. I'll say that again. Um and I know things can change come playoffs. I know things can change come postseason. And I know the Lakers are their most efficient and their best defensively and their best offensively when he is the number five. I don't think that's going to happen to start the season. I think there's going to be a lot of regular season games where he starts off at the four, which is what he prefers. I think Jackson Hayes plays the five. Um, I think Jackson Hayes is a more traditional center, the type of center that it reminds me a little bit of JaVale McGee back in the days when McGee used to start uh, with the Lakers when they had that championship run. It, it's a, It kind of reminds me a little bit of that. And I know a lot of people say, "Why? come on, Jackson Hayes, why is he going to start? Well, I think he's only starting because Anthony Davis is there, and that's what they would prefer. And I'm sure AD prefers that to have a big guy with him so he doesn't have to do everything for all 82 games on the defensive side. So those are... In trying to figure out what the lineup was going to be from a starting perspective, that's kind of where I put the Lakers. I, I put the starters to be D'Lo, Reeves, Braun, AD, and Jackson Hayes. So those are my five. Okay, let's just say hypothetically that's the five. Now i got to figure out who comes off the bench. Gabe Vincent, yes, I think he's going to get a lot of playing time. He's going to be one of the first ones off the bench. Um, 
Rui Hachimura got paid $17 million a year and signed a three-year uh, new deal, but an extension with the Lakers, uh, or re-signed with the Lakers, I should say. So three-year, $51 million deal. I'm pretty sure Rui's coming in right off the bench as well. Uh, and I know a lot of people would say, well, why wouldn't they start Rui Hachimura? Why would they bring Rui off the bench? Um, the Lakers used Rui a lot during the playoffs. There were some games Rui was starting. I feel like they're going to give Rui more of an opportunity to kind of shine on his own, get more offensive opportunities, and I think he's going to get those opportunities off the bench. Now, how do you figure out the rest of the uh, the lineup here? I think Christian Wood's going to get a lot of playing time. I really do. Christian Wood is a bucket getter, and when Anthony Davis is not in there, I think he's a guy that can go get the Lakers buckets. That's certainly what he did in Dallas and Houston, his last couple of stops. And I think that's probably how the Lakers sold Christian Wood on coming. Look, you're going to have opportunities. We don't want to play Anthony Davis all 82 games, nor will his body be able to play 82 games. You're going to get chances um, and we need a player like you so that the offense doesn't just die once Anthony Davis comes out or they're so dependent on one player to give them their offense. Uh, and, and then the last player that I would say is coming in off the bench as well is Jared Vanderbilt. So coming off the bench, I, I got Gabe Vincent, Torian Prince, Rui Hachimura, Jared Vanderbilt, and Christian Wood. That means Prince, by the way, has to play the number two. It's actually a pretty big lineup off the bench a lot of athletic guys. I think the Lakers have seven guys that are 6'8 or above. 6'8 or above, they got seven guys that fit into that mold. So the way I look at the Lakers this upcoming season is they got 12 guys that can significantly get playing time this upcoming year. You know whose names I have not mentioned? And one of those names I actually think is going to get opportunities, but I just haven't mentioned because you got all these other guys that the Lakers signed. Cam Reddish, they signed, who I think is going to have to work his way into playing time. The other player that I mentioned, Max Christie. And I do believe Max Christie is going to get opportunities. And I do believe Max Christie is going to get playing time. But at the same token, I think you're trying to figure out, all right, is he going to play 12 players deep? That rarely happens in the NBA. You do that in the preseason. You do that maybe early on while you're tr trying to figure out your lineups. But after that, you're really just kind of going with the guys that you think um, you know, you can ride with. And that number becomes even smaller once you get into the playoffs. So to look at this Lakers, to look at the position that Darvin Ham is in, and just like I started the show, it's a good problem to have. This is the position that you want to be in if you're a head coach around the NBA. The position you want to be in is, look, I got all these guys. And, and frankly, I'm not even 100% sure where to play all these guys. But I think the best thing that you can ask for if your Lakers head coach, Darvin Ham, is I'm going to have unbelievable competition this upcoming season uh, because guys want to prove themselves. You got you got kind of two different camps. You got some guys that just got paid and want to prove their value, and you got other guys that are on one-year deals and they're trying to show, listen, I deserve a big contract. I deserve a contract like Austin Reeves or Rui or D'Angelo Russell or Jared Vanderbilt. So you're going to have a balancing act that you're going to have to try to figure out if you're Darvin Ham, and this is going to be something I think as the season progresses, it's going to be fun to watch. This is why I think the competition this upcoming year is not just going to be the competition against other teams, but it's a competition uh, within that locker room where guys are trying to show, I deserve playing time. I deserve to close out games. I deserve the bulk of the minutes. And there's going to be so much competition just amongst themselves. I think naturally that's just going to be a good fit for this Lakers team. One other thing that I want to point out, that – it's one thing to have 12 guys that can contribute. But I think one of the things to pay attention to as well, and the Lakers have not been in this position in a long time, can you be a little more strategic with LeBron? Can you be a little bit more strategic with Anthony Davis? You've not had that luxury over the years. You just haven't. There has not been enough talent. Or you made the Russell Westbrook trade, and that trade clearly didn't work out, and you're behind the eight ball. Or Anthony Davis uh, missed some time, or Braun missed some time, and by the time you get close to, hey, there's only a couple months left in the season, we got to go full throttle here. You use those players so much that they weren't fresh for the postseason or you just didn't even make the postseason. That depth, 
I think the Lakers went out and got in the offseason or those guys that re-signed, I think is trying to play into that, knowing that that could be the circumstance, knowing Braun is in his 21st season in the NBA. I think a lot of those things are some of the reason why the Lakers have so much depth. So it's going to be interesting to see, uh, see what the Lakers do and how Darvin Ham juggles this lineup and all these players that he has, but I think it's a good problem to have. Okay, um, when we come back, I want to spend some time on Austin Reeves. So Austin Reeves did the uh, Zach Lowe podcast uh, earlier today, and he had some quotes in there that I think are interesting. And, you know, obviously we know how much attention Austin Reeves has been getting over these last couple of months and what he was able to accomplish last year. So we'll talk about Austin Reeves and some specific quotes that he had about the roster, about competing for an NBA championship and everything else. We'll do that coming up next. Quick reminder, Brian Windhorst coming up in about 12, 13 minutes or so. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, welcome back to Lakers Talk. Just a quick reminder, Brian Windhorst coming up in about 10 minutes or so. Windhorst will join the show. Uh, looking forward to get his perspective on this upcoming season for the Lakers. So I mentioned Austin Reeves was on the Zach Lowe podcast. Um, and a couple quotes that, that kind of drew my attention. And, you know, this is part of the what the Lakers were able to accomplish last season. Um, it's the first time for a lot of these players. You know, it's the first time for Austin Reeves to get real playoff basketball. Rui Hachimura has never been in that position before. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, that long of a playoff run to get to the Western Conference fight. It's new for a lot of these players. Jared Vanderbilt, another player right there. So what happens when you do something for the first time? I'm sure there's some surprise, some shock, some what the heck is this, or wow, this is amazing. Um, and I think part of the reason why I get excited about this upcoming year is it's not going to be new for a lot of these guys anymore. And I'm going to read a quote here from Austin Reeves, and he was asked about you know wanting to win a championship, do it with LeBron. He said, I just want to win a championship. Having that playoff success last year, going to the Western Conference Finals, I looked at Braun after Game 4 of the Memphis series, and I told him it was the most fun I've had playing basketball. And he told me it's only going to get better, I could get the taste of what the feeling of getting to the championship and feel what it would what it would be like. Uh, that's number one. He's talking about the number one goal. I'm sure there's a little chip on some of these guys' shoulder. I, I'm sure getting an opportunity to get to the NBA Finals and the, oh, I'm sorry, getting to the Western Conference Finals and getting swept by the Denver Nuggets, swept. I'm sure there's a little bit of okay. Um, if we get that same opportunity again. If we get that same chance again, no, it's going to be different this time around. And I think the the big thing for a lot of these guys is that it's not going to be new. And that quote right there from Austin Reeves that did you know kind of make me think twice about, oh, yeah, that's right. It's not like these are all veterans. It's not like these were guys. I mean, go look at the Lakers' age. 
you got guys that are 25 to 27. That's kind of the primary age. Yes, Anthony Davis has been in playoff runs. He's won a championship. Braun has been to 45 NBA Finals, it seems like. We know that. We understand that. But a lot of these role players, it was new for them. I, I just love that quote because I think a lot of these guys are going to have a similar approach, a similar mentality. I'm sure that's going to stick in their head as the season progresses. And, you know, the reality of it is I'm not telling you that it's going to be a, a, an easy journey. Um, that's actually going to be one of my questions to Brian Windhorst when he comes on is how does he kind of see the Lakers in the Western Conference? Look, I, I'm sure a lot of people are going to pick Denver and say that's the favorite. I'm sure a lot of people are going to look at the Phoenix Suns and say, watch out, look at all that talent that they have, that the Golden State Warriors you can never count out. Then you got all these other teams, whether it's Memphis, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, New Orleans, are they going to be healthy? The Clippers, are they going to be healthy? So I'm not telling you the path is going to be easy, but it's not going to be a path that's unfamiliar, that, that this will be a lot more normal because they had a chance to go through it. Okay, one more uh, quick little quote I want to read from Austin Reeves on the Zach Lowe podcast. This is what he said about the roster. We have so much talent. And he's talking about offensively with Braun, D'Lo, Rui, who was playing really well. I was playing really well. AD is not a selfish guy at all. He wants to win. Those nights where he scored 15 points, someone else had it going. He's not bickering on the bench. And he's just talking about kind of what I was referring to there for the first few minutes. Crazy talent on this Lakers team, and now it's just a matter of putting it all together. Of course, you're going to need LeBron to be healthy. Of course, you're going to need Anthony Davis healthy. Every time I hear people say that, it's like, all right, it's a given. Any team out there, if Steph Curry's not healthy, where are the Warriors going to go? If Jokic or Jamal Murray or Giannis or any of these guys aren't healthy, where are any of these teams going to go? They're not going to go anywhere. Um, but Austin Reeves was you know, talking so much about that roster, but why don't we stay on Austin Reeves for a quick second? How about how much better he's got over the course of the last year? How about how much how much more the Lakers are going to depend on him and what he brings to the table on a night in night out basis? That it, you know, I sometimes I, I I go over the roster and I, I just call out these names. Reeves was so good for the Lakers and so impactful for the Lakers that now he is. It, it's a necessity. It's not a luxury. I mean, I think there were times you're like, hey, you know, look what's happening with. Austin Reeves, how cool is this? Well, it's not that anymore. Now it's, okay, Austin Reeves is obviously a starter. Obviously, he's going to close out the games. Got to play 35 minutes. Are the stats there? I mean, he's got to be excellent for the Lakers this upcoming year as well, and I think a lot of people have confidence that he can make it happen. All right, Brian Windhorst covers uh, the NBA for ESPN. Got a lot of questions for him. The Lakers this upcoming season, what what um, of some of the, the different players that the Lakers – brought in or re-signed, who he's most confident about, least confident about, what he thinks about Anthony Davis and Braun. Braun coming into his 21st season. We'll do all that coming up next. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. All right. I uh, want to spend some time here. Sierra Subaru of Monrovia. Um, I respect so much what they're doing for the local community. Uh, there is a program here called Subaru Love Promise, and it's all about giving back. Sierra Subaru's Labor of Love will honor Monrovia's police department uh, in the month of September. Sierra Subaru will host a special luncheon to express appreciation for the incredible work our police department does day in and day out to keep our community safe. For Sierra Subaru Monrovia, it's so much more about it's so much more than just selling cars. Not only do they have great vehicles, great line, all that, that's fine, but there's more to it than just that. There's a bigger picture for Sierra Subaru Monrovia. They're also teaming up with Pasadena Girls Basketball, um, their basketball team, in an amazing partnership that's all about teamwork, dedication, and community spirit. Sierra Subaru believes sports has the power to bring people together, teach life lessons, and inspire future leaders. Head to SierraSubaru.com for more information or visit them at 735 East Central Avenue in Monrovia, just off the 210 freeway. Brian Windhorst coming up next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All right, welcome back to Lakers Talk. want to welcome in uh, Brian Windhorst covers the NBA for ESPN, does a fantastic job, and always look forward to hearing his opinion about the upcoming season, of course, the Los Angeles Lakers. Brian, appreciate you taking the time, bud. How's it going? It's uh, it's going good. Okay, so I, I, let me start off by this. We're one week away from training camp starting, and I, I know for you, you, you got kind of a, a great pulse on all the teams around the league the Lakers go out, they re-sign a number of different players, they make a couple moves as well, they bring in some new guys like Gabe Vincent, a lot of guys on the minimum, Christian Wood, another player, Torian Prince. Um, as the dust has settled and you're looking at the scope of the NBA, how, how do you feel about where the Lakers are coming into this 2023-2024 season? Yeah, I'm, uh, I thought I was very high on the changes that the Lakers made at the trade deadline and they played terrific defense down the stretch of last season into the playoffs. And so that is the reason that you have optimism. You hope that LeBron and AD are healthy and that they defend at that level. Um, I'm not turning handsprings over the Lakers off season, other than the fact that they retained this roster. They retained Austin Reeves. They re they extended Anthony Davis. They extended Jared Vanderbilt. I thought those were, those were all really good moves. I think Gabe Benson is a fine addition. I am, you know, he's, uh, I know he, he looked really good in the playoffs for the Lakers. And if he's that player, um, that's great. You know, if Rui Hachimura shoots 47% from three, that's going to be great. I'm not 100% sure that's who those guys are going to be. Um, but regardless of that, I just thought that they did a really good job of keeping that team together and that they'll build on the strength that they had with their core guys from last year. My suspicion is that the way the Lakers are going to be successful is to play the core that's, that they got all the way to the conference finals last year. Uh, Brian, just to kind of play off of that, then your thoughts on how they shape up with some of the other teams in the Western Conference. So we know Denver lost a couple key role players, but they're still the Denver Nuggets, and you got Jokic and Murray and Aaron Gordon. Go down the list of all the talent that they have. The Phoenix Suns, we know how aggressive – um, the owner there has been in Phoenix and, and trying to put together a winner. Golden State Warriors go out and get Chris Paul. Uh, but there's also a, a lot more teams that you feel are going to be competitive in the Western Conference. Is this Lakers team, from your perspective, good enough to uh, come out of the Western Conference as is? Yeah, in my view, they're, they're in that top four in the West. I think Denver obviously comes back, bringing their core back. Yeah, they lost Bruce Brown, but they bring back their core they're going to be very formidable if they're healthy. Obviously, I think Phoenix and Golden State uh, will be right there. Um, I would be surprised if Golden State still doesn't have uh, some more fight in them. Uh, the, the series they played with the Lakers last year was was just indicative of the competitive nature, I think, that, that they would have coming throughout this season. I think the Lakers are a top-four team in the West, and so it comes down to health. It comes down to how well your team comes together during the year. It comes down to possibly a maneuver or two uh, midway through the season. Um, they're in the mix there for sure. I, I, I felt that they were one of the most potent um, teams in the playoffs last year, despite the fact, even going in, because I was such a believer in the way they defended. And if they come out and carry over that defense, if they play the same level of defense that they did after the trade deadline last year, I give them a fighting chance against anybody, uh, even the Denver Nuggets, who I know swept them, but um, who I think in a different set of circumstances, the Lakers would have been more competitive. Brian Windhorst taking some time to join us here on Lakers Talk. Uh, one week away from training camp starting, so uh, really getting close to the obviously season getting underway, preseason, everything else. Um, Brian, of all the guys that the Lakers re-signed this offseason or signed, so Rui Hachimura, 
re-signed, got a good extension, three years, $51 million. Austin Reeves coming back for four years. D'Angelo has two years on his contract. Gabe Vincent signed for three years. Jared Vanderbilt just signed an extension. Of all those players, at least the players I just named off right there, and the money that's attached to them, who do you think was – who do you think – do you have a little concern of any of those guys that they got a lot to live up to as far as this upcoming year and the next couple of years just based upon what they signed on? Yeah, I feel like uh, obviously the, the – it was actually kind of – it was a discount for Austin Reeves. They got him at below what his real true value is. It was because he was restricted. That was uh, – it wasn't because uh, – um, the Lakers paid them, paid them every dollar they could. It wasn't, you know, anything like that. Um, they they got a good discount actually on Anthony Davis. If you really break into the nuts and bolts of it, they got Anthony Davis, even though they publicized it as the most money on an extension ever in NBA history. The truth is that he could have waited and become a free agent and probably gotten some more money. So them doing that deal and structuring it the way they did was actually kind of a quote-unquote discount. Um, they did really well overall, but I do think that they maybe got a little bit out on Rui Hachimura. They, they paid him more to be like the player he was in the postseason than the player he's been during his whole career. Now, Allen, maybe he comes out and he's knocking down those threes, and Rui Hachimura that we see um, throughout this next three years is going to be that same guy. And if they do, then that contract will be a good contract. Um, remember, he was available for next to nothing to Lakers for a reason. Um, so uh, they, they, they may, if, if there's any, I mean, and I don't think it's like extreme. They didn't give him a five-year max. But if there, if there was one contract where I think they stretched a little bit, it was Hachimura, especially in an environment where I don't know what other offer there was for him. But I, I, I do think on balance, Rob Palenka had a very good summer. Even the Jared Vanderbilt contract, the way I – Evaluate contracts now, and the way I always have is five minutes after the, the ink dries, can you trade the contract if you had to? If you needed to trade that contract to help your team or you need to upgrade it or you needed to go for a, a, a better player and you needed to aggregate the contract together, could you trade it? I know that most of the time, five minutes after a contract is signed, that's when everybody's posing for pictures and you don't dream of that, but that's not reality. And I think all of those contracts they signed, even that Vanderbilt one, they would do very well if they had to trade any of those, with the exception of Hachimura. I think they're paying him a little bit more for a production that he hasn't quite proven he does day in and day out yet. By the way, I, I, I agree with you. I, I've said this even when they signed him at the time, that that's the one he's got to go, you know, he, he has to go make sure that he could show that that value is there. Now, the potential is there, right? I think he also – it seemed like in the playoffs his comfort level playing with LeBron and Anthony Davis, and uh, he just seemed comfortable. Obviously, his skill set, his size, he can bring a lot to the table. But like you know, you mentioned, $17 million a year for him. Uh, I'm curious to see, and, and I'm hopeful that he can make it happen as far as what he brings to the table on a night-in, night-out basis. Um, Brian, I, I want to ask, you know, a year ago, Darvin Ham was getting ready to start his first year as the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. He's been around the NBA for a long time. He's had uh, been a part of great programs, if that's what you want to call them, other teams that have had success. Um, what did you make of, I guess you could, the positives, the negatives, what did you take away from Darvin Ham's first year as the head coach of the Lakers, and what are some of the areas you think he's going to have to improve on in his second year? Well, two things about it. First off, I felt like he was given – a very difficult hand to start the season. I felt that last year's team was very poorly constructed, both with Westbrook still on the roster. And I don't necessarily blame the Lakers. They had to wait for a trade to present itself that they liked. But he had to handle the Westbrook situation, which he was managing from the first second he took, he, he got the job. He was managing Westbrook and, and having to deal with it. And it was obviously not a good fit, and starting him was a bad idea. And the roster that he had did not fit what needed to be done. And so he managed that very, very well. He, he bent over backwards to be open and transparent with Westbrook and try to give him every opportunity. He probably gave him way more opportunity than he should have in a vacuum. But he was trying to be respectful of him. And it's very important from a long-term standpoint for the Lakers to take care of star players because – Regardless of who's on the team today, 
the Lakers are always are going to nonstop always be recruiting star players. It is their their method and their brand, and so taking care of players is very important. And even if that means um, maybe signing a contract that's a little difficult at times, or causing you know having to do something where you have to hold your nose, you have to do that with the Lakers. I actually think that that's one thing that Jeannie Buss has carried over from her father and has really mattered in, in the incarnation that the Lakers are in now. LeBron wanted to be there. Anthony Davis wanted to be there. Um, so managing that, I think, was very good. Secondly, when he got a team that more suited his, his preferences, he was able to get them to defend. And I'm going to sound like a broken record. I know we're in an era where NBA games are routinely won 128-123, and um, there have been teams that have won championships or one high at a high level by just outgunning the opposition. Darvin Ham has a ring because hmm. the teams that he was a part of played defense. When it mattered, he got the team to play defense. And to me, playing defense is the toughest thing that an NBA coach has to do. At the end of the day, an NBA coach is a salesman. And it really comes down to whatever you got to do to sell your style of play, to sell what you need to your players. And, Darvin Ham sells defense, and the Lakers bought it. And so to me, that as a, as a first-year head coach, he was able to do that at the highest level matters. You can certainly take out individual decisions, individual strategies of games, individual uh, uh, rotation decisions, uh, you, know, uh, you know, strategy decisions in certain moments and say he could have done better here or there. But I think overall, getting him to play defense is his calling card, and that will again be the calling card this year. Brian Windhorst covers uh, the NBA for ESPN, taking some time to join me here on Lakers Talk. Brian, I, I know you've covered LeBron for um, a, a really long time and has follow, followed his career, and here he is starting his 21st season in the NBA. Um, I've been wrong on this for the last couple of years. I, I keep kind of telling myself, and, and listen, I, I know he his game has slowed down a bit, and there's certain areas of it. He's not going to be the same defensive player as he was in his 15th year. There might be times at the end of a game where he's just too tired to try to drive the ball. He depends on a three-point shot, and that three-point shot uh, just not there on a consistent basis. But he's still putting up unbelievable numbers. Um, still obviously showing up in the final game against the Nuggets where the Lakers got swept. Played basically every minute of the game. 21st season. What 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 are you expecting from Braun this year? Well, what you hope is that he is healthy when it matters. You know, I don't know what's going to happen you know, in November or December or February. But what you have to hope is that he is healthy at the end of the season and he's got energy in the tank. And they need to spend the year not only making sure that, uh, that you know, that he's, you know, protected, but that he can be in as good a shape as possible. He does not have the explosion they, that he's had in the past. Uh, he can't get by people. Uh, teams have started to defend him that way. Um he would be the first to admit that his athleticism has shown uh, to not be where, where it once was. But he's also extraordinarily crafty. Uh, he makes such a huge difference because of his mind at both ends of the court. And he has got a, uh, an ability to rise to the occasion. And so, um, you know, it is Anthony Davis's turn, and he is in his prime, and he's been paid, he's been taken care of. But it is Anthony Davis's turn to carry the majority of the load for the Lakers. They need him to do that in every sense. You need LeBron to be surgical. And um, you, you just can't ask him to carry the load. If you ask him to carry too much of the load, you're probably going to deal with various things, you know, especially injuries. You know, they've just got to be careful of how much they use him just because, you know, he's had all of these soft tissue injuries, which is clearly a result of workload. So, um, but he absolutely can still be a high-level contributor on a championship team. I think he showed that last year, and I would expect it to remain the case, even if, you know, there is that half step that's not there anymore. Brian, when you say AD, it's time he carries the load and in his prime and the contract and everything else that comes with it, what's your definition of – I guess I'm just trying to figure out. I feel like some people – you know, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, he's got to be an MVP candidate, and if he's not, then the Lakers, they don't have a shot. When – when you say he's got to carry his load and he's got to uh, carry the team, can you give me your definition of what that would look like or what that would yeah, be for AD? He, he can't. He, 
yeah, he can't have these playoff games where he's a non-factor offensively. I don't remember whether it was the even number games, the odd number games, or whatever it was. Even where he <laughs> even number games, like um, no, can't do that. Uh, and I understand the teams guard him in such a way, and there were times where the strategy was really to take the ball out of his hands or whatever. Uh, if you're going to be the best player at the championship team, which is what they need him to be, you have got to figure out a way to be a factor at both ends of the court in throughout playoff games. And um, those those games, you know, that's not a that's not the best player at a championship team type of performance. Now, I will defend anybody who wants to tell me that Anthony Davis wasn't an absolute defensive beast throughout the entire postseason. Uh, and, you know, how important he is defensively. And I, I thought that the number one priority for the Lakers the entire offseason was to get him into that contract extension. I thought it was vital and important. And, um, you know, getting that done was huge. So I, I, I will defend him at that. But if you're going to, to pay him that kind of money, if, you're, if he's going to be that level of player, he needs to deliver at the highest level at both ends of the court under the pressure. And regardless of what anybody says, he knows that. Brian, great stuff as always, man. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time and uh, joining us here on the show and always uh, enjoy your insight. Thank you. Uh, enjoy the day, and I uh, look forward to the start of another great season. Yes, sir. Thank you. That is uh, Brian Windhorse right there, covers the NBA for ESPN and does a fantastic job doing it. Final thoughts when we come back. I actually got some um, – I like his definition there of AD and carrying the load. Um, also, his thoughts on Rui. I thought that was uh, – I've said that in the past that I'm not worried for Rui, but he's got some, he's got a contract to live up to. So we'll talk about that as well coming up next. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, thank you to uh, Brian Windhorse uh, taking the time here to join Lakers Talk. Yeah, interesting stuff here. Uh, there are a few things that came out of that conversation, and, and listen, Brian does a, a great job covering not just the Lakers. That's not his primary – the entire league. The Hoop Collective podcast, one of the best NBA content pieces that are out there. Um, didn't sound as bold on the Lakers as maybe some others. I think, you know, his emphasis, some things I agree with, some things that maybe I don't disagree or that I disagree with, but his emphasis specifically, specifically on um, uh, on the outlook for the Lakers and that really what they did in the offseason, it was just about going out and re-signing the players. He's not wrong in that, but I think where I think he's underestimating uh, what Rob Palenka did in the offseason and what this upcoming year could look like, they didn't really have to go out and make a lot of changes. That going out and re-signing some of these players was actually the best strategy that they had in mind. Okay. Could they hypothetically have gone out and said, you know what, 
let's go try to go get Kyrie Irving. Yeah, they probably could have done that. They, they could have went out and probably tried to go get another star. But I don't think that was the best move for the Lakers. I don't think that was the smartest thing to do. I think what they did was the best that they can do. But he didn't sound as bullish as this Lakers team um, being one of those uh, top two teams, let's say, in the Western Conference, something along those lines. And I get it. Listen, the competition is uh, incredible amount of competition in the Western Conference. I guess the question is this. What the Lakers accomplished last year from after the trade deadline and the playoffs, is that something that you're really confident they can repeat? Or was that just, you know what, Lakers caught lightning in a bottle and, and things kind of fell their way and they were able to be, you, you can say they were fortunate as everything just progressed and, and they made their run to the Western Conference Finals. I actually think it's more the first one. I think they got a good team. I, I think the the compliments that he was given to Darvin Ham were the right ones, that the guy walked into a tough situation all he cared about is, is this squad playing defense or not? And if the team is playing defense, okay, how can you build from it? How can you build on it from there? I think all that stuff really, really matters. Um, and how the Lakers have building blocks going into this year, well, at least they're not playing the last – what they play? Could have been more than 25 games together before they got into the postseason. Now you got a full training camp. Now you have the preseason. Now you have – 50 regular season games to figure out what you look like before the trade deadline even comes. They didn't have that luxury last year. So everything that they were doing, the final couple months of the season was just a push to just get in the playoffs, just to get in the postseason. So I think all that stuff obviously really matters. Um, the one point he made about, you know, I asked him about all the tradable or all the contracts that the Lakers went out and got. And yeah, I kind of gone through this a little bit earlier in the show, but D Rui, Austin Reeves gave Vincent a new deal with the Lakers. Jared Vanderbilt gets the extension. I don't disagree with him of all those deals that are out there. I do think the Rui deal, the Rui Hachimura one is, okay, wow, three years, $51 million, $17 million a year. Rui's got some work to do. And the way Rui was for the Lakers once they made the trade for him in the regular season that's not going to be good enough on a night-in, night-out basis for the Lakers. The Rui that we had in the postseason, which I know some of those numbers, crazy, uh, what he shoot, 55% from the field, 40-plus percent from the three. I know that's not sustainable over an 82-game span, um, but there are going to be nights where it's not okay for Rui to have six or seven points, that Rui went two and nine from the field, and that's going to be different for him. Um, that's going to be different in the sense that he has not really had that that expectation, at least with the Lakers. What he did in the playoffs was like, wow, this guy's over-delivering. Some guys over-delivered like he did. Some guys underperformed. I thought D'Angelo Russell underperformed, at least certainly in that Denver series. Um, he's going to now be expected to deliver on a night-in, night-out basis. So I, I, I don't disagree with that Rui contract being one of those contracts where it's like, all right, let's see how this guy does. Let's see what his production looks like. Um, and then the point which Brian made that I, I think I've talked a little bit about for a while now is they're all tradable contracts. They are pieces that you can move if something's not working or it's not fitting. Um, I think that's certainly, uh, you know, obviously a positive there for the Lakers as well. And it, it, it's something that the front office uh, keyed in on in the offseason. AD carrying the load. The Anthony Davis piece that Brian mentioned, that there's the Anthony Davis piece where he played really, really good basketball every single night on the defensive side. Nobody can question that. Uh, just dominated the game on one side of the floor. Probably not talked about enough, and I think Windhorse was really trying to go out of his way to highlight that. But the other piece that he said where – you cannot be a player that is inconsistent on the offensive end for the Lakers in these big-time games where some games he's only having 15 points, other games he's having 35, that they can't have that from Anthony Davis. I've heard both sides of it. I've heard people say, look, when you're giving up that much effort on the defensive side, night in and night out, sometimes you, you need a break on offense, or sometimes you just can't be there on offense on a night in and night out basis. We'll see if the Lakers have – 
protected Anthony Davis on that front, that they have so many players, that they have so much depth, that they were able to get a really good offensive player in Christian Wood that can maybe come in and fill in some of that load. And D'Angelo's got to be better. Maybe Rui's got a bigger role on offense. And Reeves takes another step. Maybe they do have guys where it's okay if Anthony Davis is not giving you 30 points a night or in a big playoff game he gave you 17 or 18 points but your team still won by 15 because um, they play good defense and they got so many other weapons on the other side. Uh, We'll have to wait and see. There's no way of telling but I understand his points and I I think Windhorse as he always does I think added some perspective of where the Lakers are coming into this upcoming year, and I think that's going to be exciting. Okay, one other thing that I want to get into, which is uh, kind of crazy. I was looking on Twitter today. So on this day three years ago, the Lakers beat the Denver Nuggets in Game 5 of the Western Finals. This was in the Orlando bubble. If you guys remember, this is the first time that the Lakers made a Finals appearance since 2010. They end up beating the Miami Heat in the bubble and they get championship number 17. Why does it feel like on this day three years ago, so here we are in September, it's September 26, just kind of shows how whack things were for a year and a half or whatever it was. Why does that feel like that was so long ago? I don't know why it feels like it was so long ago. Um, I remember was talking to John Ireland about this a little bit earlier in the day. Um, you know, none of us were in Orlando for the the games, and remember, if you went, you had to stay there in Orlando in this, you know, campus that they, they, they this makeshift campus and they're playing the games in these hotel ballrooms or whatever the case is. And I remember, you know, doing those games, uh, John and Michael are calling the games from our studio here and they're just looking at a monitor. I'm sitting in one of the back studios, obviously doing pre half and post, but to think that was three years ago is, is a little bit crazy. Obviously, the Lakers went on to play the Denver Nuggets this past postseason. Denver got their revenge, ended up winning their own championship. And then the Lakers are going to start this upcoming year at Denver while the Nuggets are getting their championship rings in front of the Los Angeles Lakers. So um, it feels like it was ages ago, but that's the world that we were in, that there was playoff basketball in September, late September. The finals were in October. Just uh, really random to look at, and the Lakers uh, beat the Nuggets. It was this day three years ago. Lakers beat them in Game 5. Anthony Davis obviously had that really, really clutch shot to put the Lakers up. Was it 2-1, to 3-1, to one, whatever it was? But he had the clutch shot. Lakers end up winning that series, and they uh, take care of business against the Miami Heat. Okay, I'm, I'm really excited about this. So a week from today will be Lakers Media Day. So next week we'll be doing the show. And we're going to have some great, great conversations from um, uh, training camp uh, out or media day out at the uh, UCLA Health Center out in El Segundo. So we're going to get an opportunity to, I know, connect with a lot of the players, with the coaches, to really kind of have a pulse of what this upcoming season is going to be like. And uh, the next time we do the show, I know we're going to have some great interviews. We'll be able to play it here on Lakers Talk. Uh, So next week... We'll be doing the show Monday night. Uh, Earlier in the day, Travis and I will be doing our show from 10 to 1 down there at the Lakers training facility, and we'll be able to bring in a lot of these great interviews and uh, talk to the guys about this upcoming season. Okay, that's all we got for tonight. Appreciate everybody being a part of the show. Thank you to Michael Funches. Thank you to Laura Romo. Thank you to Mar Ruiz. We'll be back next week. I'll be back on tomorrow with Travis Rogers. L.A., have a great rest of your night. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.